Since I'm teaching Sunday school, I brought all my props tonight. Amen? If I get hungry, I've got something to eat. I've got something for somebody else to drink. And uh, we'll be all right. Ezekiel is where we're at tonight. We want to look at this one thought together in Ezekiel. Just looking for one other thing here. Ezekiel uh, chapter number 18. Church family, um, I get more of a blessing, I think, out of the Sunday school lessons than, um, than you do because of, of preparing them. And I always say the teacher gets more than the student. Um, when your Sunday school teacher gets up in class, they're giving you in 20 to 30 minutes or so uh, what they've taken in over hours. Uh, and so what, this particular thought, uh, I don't like it when I'm not here. And um, one of the missionaries was here last week. Um, but I, I really feel like the Lord gave me the opportunity to teach this lesson. I don't know that, to be honest with you, that I've ever taught on specifically personal responsibility. And though we believe that, this particular chapter in Ezekiel is very, very clear on that. And I want to look at it uh, for just a little bit. You know, Ezekiel was that prophet and priest, but he was that prophet that God had sent, as is said in chapter number one, to the whole house of Israel. It wasn't just to the captives in, uh, in Babylon, though that's where he was. He was a captive in Babylon as he's writing this book uh, for us, and of course, given to him by God for us. But it was really to everybody. And he writes this particular chapter because, in my opinion, when you look at the context of what's going on, the children of Israel, you can imagine they were saying to themselves, hey, the reason we're in Babylon is because our fathers didn't do right. Or the reason we're captives is because our parents didn't put God first. I, you almost get that idea when you're reading this chapter because the children of Israel are talking to Ezekiel about this and they're saying, hey, listen, uh, the, the reason we're going through all of this is because of our fathers. And God says through Ezekiel, hey, listen, you tell them it's not their fathers. And he makes the statement very, very clear here about that as we look through this chapter. And I want to walk through the chapter with you because it, it kind of breaks down as you go. And I want to look at that together tonight. If you're glad you're in church, say amen. 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 I'm glad you're in church and I'm glad I'm in church. And so we're going to look at this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, now would you again please give us the words to say for your people. Thank you again for the Bible and how full it is. In every area of life, so many times we miss, Lord, that you've even discussed the little things. And Lord, I ask you to please help this area of personal responsibility that it it would not just be a lesson tonight, but Father, be life-changing for us, Lord, to realize that our actions are our own, and we choose, and what we choose to do, we're going to either have life or death because of it. Father, help us now tonight, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, if again, uh, forgive me if I do it more like a lesson than preaching, but this chapter here is broken down by really one, two, three, four different sections of this particular chapter in Ezekiel chapter 18. The very first section is verses one through four, and it's talking about this idea of personal responsibility. Now follow me, those first four verses are going to be illustrated uh, in verses number six, I'm sorry, verse number five down through verse number nine. It's going to be uh, questioned, uh, or I should say illustrated actually, verse number five through verse number, um, let me look at my Bible here, verse number I don't have my glasses on. That's why I can't see anything. All righty. In verse number five, it's illustrated down to verse number 17. In verse number 18 through verse number 29, it's questioned. This idea of personal, personal responsibility is questioned by the children of Israel. And then in verse number 30, down through verse number 32, personal responsibility in action. And you'll see what the Lord's saying here. So let's start right at the beginning now in verse number one. The Bible says this, The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel? What was the proverb? Here it is. 
The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. He says, what mean you? Why do you still use this proverb? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on age. Verse number three, as I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the father. So also the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, just for me, here's what he's trying to say here. When, the, when he uses this proverb, when he says the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, one, the father can't eat a grape and the child know what it tastes like. Are, are you all with me tonight? All right. Maybe because you've, the lesson, maybe, uh, it, maybe it doesn't mean much to you. Now, um, Brian, come on up here, man. All right. All righty. This is lemon juice. 100% lemon juice. Do you like lemon juice? You're about to find out. All right. All right. Now, you're going to come over here and uh, you're going to pretend that you're the father. All right. Owen, you're the son. Come on up here. We're going to pretend for just a little bit. You take that for just a little bit. And, and Owen, you're going to stand right next to him. Okay. You kind of look like each other. All right. A little bit. All right. Now, here, a little bit. Big version, small version. Okay. Now, here's what he's trying to say here. He's saying, hey, listen, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, the reason we have this sour taste in our mouth is because what our fathers did. The reason we're having to go through all this uh, captivity and all the pain and sorrow of not uh, being away from family and home and going through all the pain and sorrow, he says, because of what our fathers have done. He says, you can't use that proverb anymore. All right, now let's illustrate for just a second here. Would you take a drink of that, please? All right, Owen, tell us what it tasted like. Lemon. <laughs> How do you know it's lemon? The bottle. Okay, that's fine. This could be, you know, Kool-Aid. Okay. All right, for sake of not ruining my illustration. <clears throat> He does not really know that tastes like lemon. Do you, Owen? No. No, because you haven't tasted it. All righty. Thanks for ruining my illustration, by the way. There's no way for Owen to know that that tastes like lemon because he didn't drink it. He's guessing. Now, church, can I just get you to understand that what God is teaching us in this parable with the children of Israel is this. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, that's not a true proverb because the child is not the one that ate the grape. The father's the one that ate the grape. All right, so God is teaching us this idea of personal responsibilities. Fellas, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You can have lemon juice later, all right? Now, notice what he says now in verse number four, the last phrase of verse number four, four the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Personal responsibility, the person who does the wrong is the person who's going to be punished for it, all right? You know, when growing up in home, uh, uh, I, my, my brother's the one that did everything wrong, and I was a perfect angel. But <laughs> every once in a while, my dad thought I did things wrong. Now, can you imagine if I was to get in trouble, and I did something that was wrong, and my father caught me doing it wrong, <coughs> and my dad says, David, come in here and get the spanking for Scott. Now, I wish that would have happened, but it didn't happen. All right? And the reason it didn't happen is because the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Personal responsibility all right how many of you have a lead foot when you drive down the road you kind of go a little heavy on the you go a little faster than you're supposed to raise your hand be honest confession's good for the soul you're in church amen now sinners 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We're getting to weight gain here in just a minute. Now, <laughs> the soul that sinneth, <laughs> it shall die. You're not driving down the road going 70 miles an hour and the police officer pulls you over and you're going in a 50 and he looks at you and says, hey, listen, I don't want to give the ticket to you. I want to give the ticket to the person in the, in the passenger seat. Amen. It's not a bad idea if you ask me. <laughs> he gives the ticket to the person who's driving because the soul that sinneth, it shall die. There is personal responsibility. Now, God illustrates this now in verse number five down through verse number 17 with three different people, a father, a son, and a grandfather. All right, I'll just point the phrase to you if you don't mind. Verse number five, but if a man, that's the father. Verse number 10, if he beget a son, that's the son. And then in verse number 14, now lo, if he beget a son. Another person in verse number 10, in verse number 14, now lo, if he beget a son, that would be the grandson. So the father is mentioned in verses five through nine. The son is mentioned in verses 10 through 13. And then the grandson is mentioned in verses 14 through 17. All right, now again, for time's sake, we're teaching this, but the same token, we're just showing you what God is trying to teach through Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Look at the father now, verse number five. But if a father be, what's the next word? Just and do that which is lawful and right. It's gonna list of a bunch of, verse number five through verse number nine, it's gonna list of a bunch of things that are just, lawful, and right. Look at verse number nine. He hath, again, going on with what, the, what he was doing. He hath walked in my statutes, hath kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just, he shall surely live, saith the Lord God. Verse 10, the, the son now, if he beget a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood that doeth the like in any one of the, these things and that doeth not any of those duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountains and defiled his neighbor's wife, hath oppressed the poor and needy, hath spoiled by violence, hath not restored the pledge and hath lifted up his eyes to idols, hath committed abomination, hath given forth, verse 13, hath given forth upon usury, hath taken increase. Shall he then live? He shall not live. He hath done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood should be upon him. Now, verse 14, the grandson. Now, lo, if he beget a son that seeth all his father's sins, which he hath done and considereth and doeth not such like that hath not eaten upon the mountain, goes through all these different sins. Verse number 17, that hath taken off his hand from the poor, that hath not received usury nor increase, hath executed my judgments, hath walked in my statutes. He shall not die for the iniquity of who? Of his father, he shall surely live. Verse 18, but as for the father, the one who did wrong, as for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother uh, by violence and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. All right. Now, here's what God's doing. The very first part of the chapter, he says, listen, there's a personal responsibility. The soul that sinneth it shall die. Then he goes into the illustration of a father who does right, a son who does not do right, and then a grandson who does, does do right. All right. You're with me so far. He's illustrating this, that you cannot use the proverb because my dad did this, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because my dad did this, I'm, just remember, listen, we are often affected by other people's actions, but we are not punished for other people's actions. You don't, you don't think that thing through, okay? Because many a person uh, wants to blame their parents for what they're going through, and it's not their parents, it's them. Amen. Why? Personal responsibility. It's not your parents' fault. 
You know, we were talking, uh, actually, to be honest, I was talking to teachers about different things when they were teaching this lesson, and one of the teachers had used a hot potato, all right? And how when you play hot potato, you get the music playing, and once the music's going, you're passing it around. You pass it to that guy, he passes the next guy, he passes the next guy, he passes the next guy, he passes it back to me. And then all of a sudden, music stops, you have it, sorry. <laughs> Which is a perfect illustration of passing the buck. We have a tendency to do that. You say, Pastor, I don't do that. Church family, come on. Go back to Adam and Eve and listen to who, all the passing of the buck that took place. <laughs> Adam, where art thou? Uh, right here. I'm naked. How, how do you know you're naked? It's that woman you gave me. Eve, what'd you do? It was that serpent you put in the garden. Now, church, I want to tell you something. That has always been. Look at the story of Saul. And when Saul messed up, the very first thing he did is Saul said, hey, it wasn't me, Samuel. You weren't here when you said you were supposed to. His next excuse. Hey, it's not my fault. It's the Philistines that are out there. I had no choice. Uh, hey, wait a second. It's not, it's not that. It's really the people's fault. They're the ones that caused me to take of the spoil when he was supposed to kill Agag and all the, all the not take utterly destroy. Every one of us have that tendency to look to somebody else that they're the problem. Now listen, if you're sitting here tonight and saying that's not me, you're the problem. We have a tendency not to take personal responsibility for what we've done wrong. I want to tell you the best Christian at work is the Christian at, that is at work that claims responsibility when he messes up. It's not the work's fault because they worked you so long. It's not the employer uh, that you're working with because it just, if, if they would have been there, it wouldn't have happened. Personal responsibility. Doesn't matter where you end up in life, we need to take responsibility for ourselves. So he illustrates that through these, these three groups father, son, grandson. And church, I mean, it's very interesting that the children of Israel question it now in verse number 18 down through verse number 29. We'll not take time to read it, but look at verse number, um, verse number 19. Look at the first four words, verse 19. Yet say ye, what's the, what's the next word? Why? Why doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father when the son hath done that which is lawful and right and hath kept all the statutes and hath done them? He shall surely live. Now, can you hear the dialogue going off between, between God and the children of Israel? Israel says, hey, listen, the Proverbs, Israel's thinking the Proverbs true. The fathers have eaten sour grapes. and The children's teeth are set on age. The children are, are tasting or receiving because of what the parents did. And God says, no, wait a second here. Let me answer that for you. Look what God's answer was in verse number 20. Say the first phrase with me, you ready? The soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's the same phrase mentioned in verse number four, the last part of verse, the last phrase of verse number four. The soul that sinneth, it's personal responsibility. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. So they're questioning back and forth. And again, without reading all of the verses, they ask, this, they, they ask the same question again. Look at verse 25. Yet ye say, God speaking to the children of Israel, yet ye say, verse 25, the way of the Lord is not equal. Here now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? What God's trying to show them here is the children of Israel, like oftentimes we as Christians, is we look at, look at, look at um, a situation and we are so apt to say why somebody else is wrong instead of just simply saying, I'm wrong. I want to tell you something, that, that saying I'm sorry or I'm wrong seem to be some of the hardest words for Christians to say. But we have to understand that God says that we're supposed to take personal responsibility for what we do wrong. All right. I have my um, 
kids' report cards up here. Susanna, Sarah, Stephanie, Stephen, Silas, Samuel, and Seth. I even got yours. Let's see how you did. In 2016, this is his report card from 2016. In business math, you had an A minus. In Bible, you had an A plus. I don't know how that happened. In English, you had an A, literature A plus, chemistry an A, spelling an A minus. Well, you really did take after your father in life. <laughs> U.S. history A plus, P.E. A plus. Actually, we know you take after his mother, all these A's. Now, this report card has Seth's name on it. This report card shows personal responsibility. Can you imagine if we erased the word Seth and put Stephen on there? He says, I'll take it. <laughs> but would that be a true representation just because I take Seth's name off it and put Stephen's name on it? How did Stephen do, by the way? Stephen in 2016. Okay, let's go on in the service here. <laughs> Personal responsibility. Alrighty. In other words, I take credit for my own actions. I don't take credit to take credit for somebody else's. Now listen, it goes back to, you know, some people want to use the illustration of Achan. And I want to tell you something. The illustration about Achan being killed and all of his family being killed. What's interesting about that particular story is this. Is that the Bible says that Achan took the, the Babylonian garment, the wedge of gold, and the, and the pieces of silver. And the Bible says that they were in the midst of his tent. M-I-D-S-T. In the midst of the tent. In fact, it mentions it twice. Because when Joshua was sent to the tent, the word midst means middle. It was in the center of the tent. I believe with all my heart that the reason that the family of Achan was killed is because they knew that stuff was in the middle of the tent. They knew exactly what he had done wrong. They didn't tell anybody. The perfect illustration, I think, that shows us this idea of, of personal accountability is the story of Korah. Korah and his company died, but church, I mean, do you know how many psalms that we have that were to the sons of Korah? Because the sons of Korah did not follow suit with dad when dad tried to rebel against Moses. What did they do? They did exactly what this chapter is talking about. Look at your Bible uh, again in this chapter, in chapter 18, verse 28. Because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he committeth and shall surely live, he shall not die. In other words, the son considers what the father did and says, and says I'm not going that route. Why? Personal accountability or personal, can I say, responsibility. Now, here's the thought tonight. I'm done. All right. Here's what I want you to see tonight. When God gives this particular chapter and he, he gives this instruction through Ezekiel to the children of Israel as a whole, because they were complaining that the reason we're in captivity is because of what our fathers did. God's saying, you are not in captivity because your fathers did. You're in captivity because of what you do. And then he says, the soul that sinneth it shall die. He illustrates it with a father, a son, and a grandson. He goes through the dialogue of being questioned by the children of Israel. And then he comes to verse number 30. And what's the first word in verse 30? In other words, because, therefore, because of your question, well, God, your way is not equal. And God says, my way is equal. Your way is not equal. He says, let me explain to you, therefore, this is what personal accountability is. Now, I don't know if you have a pen or if you circle in your Bible, but there's four words that are mentioned. But look at verse number 30 now. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. First word. What's the first word? Repent. And second word. Turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Verse number 31, I'm going to say two words here. Cast away, 
And then he says, from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and last of all, grouping of words, make you anew. A new heart, new spirit, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? All right, so the action that needs to happen to cause me to take personal responsibility, repent, turn, cast away, make you anew. Now, church, let me follow me. This is the thought for this evening. I don't want you to miss here. These grapes look good, by the way. All right, now, here's what I want you to think about. What God's trying to tell us is this. If you're going to take personal responsibility of your life, here's what you're going to have to do. All right, let me set this here. This is the problem or the sin in your life, all right? Now, I'm not tonight. Please help yourself here. As for our iniquities, we know them. What in my life that I know it doesn't please God? What in my life that I know I'm not doing? Sin of omission, sin of commission, okay? Omission, I'm not having my devotion. Sin of commission, I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. Secret sin, presumptuous sin. What is it in my life that breaks my fellowship with God, that causes me not to have direct access and answers to prayer and God's blessing upon my life? It, personal responsibilities. Listen, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are tonight. You know what's wrong in your life. So God says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. You're not going to be punished because of what your parents did. And I'm not going to be punished because of what my children do. I have to answer to God for what I do right and wrong. Are you with me so far? I think the Bible teaches this all through the Bible. And I know I'm staying basically in Ezekiel 18. But church family, what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ? Romans chapter number 12. The Bible says at the judgment seat of Christ that everyone will give an account for his brother. Everyone should give an account for his spouse. No, everyone should give an account of himself to God. That's personal accountability. Church family, at the great white throne judgment, you talk about personal accountability. How come you can't get saved for somebody else? We just had somebody. Oh, it was Brother Norton. Brother Norton talked about his father passing away and his father not being saved. And I was, when after the service, I just told Brother Norton, I said, man, that's got to be hard to deal with. Can you imagine living every day of your life in your mind thinking that your mom or your dad never got saved? I just can't, I can't wrap my mind about to, to, think, I, to think about, I'm very thankful for a Christian home and family being saved. But can you imagine the person you love? Church, I mean, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. At the great white throne judgment, it's not going to be, well, I want to take their place and go to hell for them. You can't do that. Why? Because the soul, personal responsibility, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Church, I mean, just the principle of sowing and reaping. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a group soweth, that shall the group reap. Is that what the Bible says? No. Whatsoever a man soweth, individual responsibility. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Church family, what is the answer? I think the answer is those four words, or grouping of words, that he mentions at the end of this chapter. He says, if you want to be personal and as far as your responsibility and stop blaming your mom and dad and stop blaming your teacher, stop blaming the pastor, stop blaming work, stop blaming every personal responsibility. How do you do that? First of all, here's what he says. He says, first of all, repent. Follow me quick. These four things won't take very long. Repent is just a change of mind. Can I tell you where personal responsibility starts? It doesn't start in your actions. It starts in your thinking. The problem we're having is, is wrong thinking. The reason we're pointing the finger is because of wrong thinking. The reason we're blaming others is because of wrong thinking. The reason we don't think we're wrong is wrong thinking. You know what repent means? Change of mind. 
I'm wrong. I shouldn't have done that. That's where it starts. Before I even touch the sin, before anything changes in the sin, before my life changes, the very first thing that has to happen is, God, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Then he says, turn. Very interesting. Now, we're pretending this is the sin, by the way. Whatever the sin is in your life, all right? Maybe it's marijuana. I don't know. Go to Colorado. I don't know what your sin is, all right? I was joking. Don't go to Colorado. Don't do marijuana, okay? Speed. Speed. <laughs> Confess. Come on down. Altar's open, all right? All right. No. <laughs> so this is the sin in my life. And I come to that sin. The first thing I do is change the mind. God, I know that's wrong. The second thing he says is what? What's the word? Turn. There has to be a turning or a repenting. Repentance causes a turn. A change of mind causes a change of action. In other words, I have to turn from this. I'm going to stop doing this, this sin, this problem, uh, whatever it is in my life. I'm going to turn from it. Listen, don't get the idea, oh, I'm sorry for this particular sin, and think that you can leave it right here. You can't do that. You, you can't do that. Look, look, think about the next phrase. He says, not only you're supposed to repent, turn, what do he say next? Cast away. Nice catch. Teach you to yawn in service. You don't. You better watch the ball if I were you. That's all I got to say. The thing about our sin is this, is that if we don't see that as sin, there's no repentance. If you say, well, it's not that big, then there's no repentance. If you think that it's not going to hurt me that much, there's no repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. God, this particular thing in my life is hurting me spiritually, and I'm going to turn from it. And I'm only just going to turn from it. I'm not going to leave it there so that I can come back to it after I've turned to it. I'm going to cast it away. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Good job. I'm going to cast it away. I'm going to give it to her. She wanted it. All right. I'm going to get rid of it. All right. Cast it away. Now, I like what he says last. He says, make it anew. Now, there is something about a new basketball. That nice feel to it. Makes you just want to shoot. I'm like the Harlem Globetrotters, man. Come on. Nice wood floor up here. God says, whatever my sin is, I have to change my mind about it. He says, I need to turn from it. I need to cast it away and make it anew. The principle here is the principle of replacement. You know, you got sin in your life and you get rid of it, but the problem is it comes back because you never replace it with anything new. You know, it's like the person who says, man, I need to stop listening to the music that I'm listening to. It just, it just leans toward wrong. You know, it's, it's got that country and Western music to it with Christian words and it's just not good for me or and maybe, maybe it is country, maybe it's rock, I don't know, I don't know. But you know the kind of music you're listening to is not good for you. And what happens is a Christian gets rid of the music and then they're driving down the road with nothing playing. And all of a sudden, a little bit at a time, it comes back. You know what you do? You replace it with new. You replace it with good. And you know what that does? It causes you personal responsibility to not go that route or to do that particular sin. Am I the one that sins? Yes. Am I the one that commits the sin? Yes. So 
as, a, as, a, as, a, as he said here, a father, a son, and a grandson. He says, we need to consider where we're wrong and cast those things that are wrong out of their way and replace them with new. Look at your Bible again one more time here. In verse number 31, cast away from all, from all your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. The Christian life will always be this. No matter what age you are at your, in, in your life, we always have a tendency to backslide in our Christian life. And the only way that you're going to stay close to God is to repent, to turn, to cast away, and make anew. The only way that you're going to be able to have personal responsibility in your life is to repent and to turn and to cast away and to renew. What is it in your life that's slowing you down as a Christian? What is it in your life that grieves you because you do whatever it is or say whatever you say and then you are grieved in your spirit because you know that you're not right with God? Then what do you do? I repent, change of mind. I shouldn't be doing that. I turn. I want to turn away from that. I get rid of that. I cast it away and I replace it with new. Listen, if you're a critical person, then that's real simple. You cast away being critical, you start complimenting. You know, some people, it, you would think they're just naturally negative. They don't ever see the good, they always see the bad. And I want to tell you something, if that's you, the only way you're going to get over negativity is to work on being positive. You replace it with something new. Some of you need to go home tonight and say something nice to your spouse or something nice to a sibling. Now, after you get them up off the ground, they had a heart attack, get their, get their breath back. It'll help you. can't use that proverb any longer. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set. Can't use that proverb because the child can't taste the grapes because they didn't do the sin and they're not being punished with sour grapes, the taste of sour grapes because of what the fathers ate. The child is being punished for what they do. Listen, you're going to stand before God one of these days and it'd be just you and God. And I know what we're hoping to hear we're hoping to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But that's going to happen because of individual responsibility, because of what I choose to do in my life. Young people, as you get older, you get to that age of 15, 16, 17, 18. It is so easy to blame everybody else for where you're at because you're at the point where you're making choices in your life. Listen, I'll finish with this. and I'll just, I'm, Seriously, I'll just finish this one thing and I'm done. All right, it's going to last for an hour, but one thing. You know, our kids are small and they're four, five, and six. Truthfully, we are accountable for them. Amen. We feed them, we give them clothes, we give them a place to stay. Four, five, six, we tell them where to go, what they're going to have for school, we discipline them. To be honest, we say, you know, you need to be responsible. I'm responsible. But when you get to be 15, 16, 17, and 18, yes, you're in your parents' home. But the goal is, is at, in adolescence to teen years is to make you more responsible. Amen. How is it you can be 18 years old and your parents have raised you all this time and you still want to blame everybody else? If you're at 18 blaming at everybody else, adulthood, you're going to do the same thing. Yes. And you're not even going to see it because you're blinded to you saying, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Amen. I'm wrong. 
I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Would you say that with me? I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That is so hard for us to do, and I want to tell you why. Pride. It's just pride. But what it comes down to, it's me. It's not you. It's not my family. It's me. I want to tell you something. You better make sure that you think this thing through tonight because this is such an elementary thought, but we don't practice it very well. Personal responsibility. God, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Help me to do right. I'm not going to blame others. It's me. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, this evening? Let's talk to the Lord tonight. Tonight, you need to take personal responsibility. Tomorrow morning, you need to take personal responsibility. Every day, it's me, O oh Lord. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.